Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Oh, it was me that starts. Even better. Hi, Kimona. <laughs> Hi, Erin. You were supposed to remember that. We talked about this before. I was just looking at you like, oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. I got stuck on the introducing thing being you. I and know, it just, I know. It it's okay. You're forgiven. You know, we're we're fif- more than 50 episodes in. They, it's a little plot twist. They were waiting for that little like, hi, Kimona. And I threw it through a loop. Ooh, switching is, it up. Mm-hmm, it's called spicing things up in the relationship. Right. <laughs> because we are in love. Yes, correct simple right if you if you're not in love with your friends then who are not doing doing it right (laughs) go on friend dates i think we said this maybe last week two weeks two weeks ago i don't remember friendship dates love them um but that's a whole other conversation we could do a whole (laughs) episode on that let's not let's not get into tangents right now that's hard i know but like it's a really exciting episode today it is exciting we love a guest moment. It's, our it's first actually guest. it's our first of guest of this four. season. So, come on, introduce. Now this is your part. You go. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for directing me, Erin. I don't know what I'd do without you, um, but I'm really excited to introduce our guest. First guest of season four, Donnell McLaughlin. He is a writer, researcher, and public theologian brought up in the evangelical church. He now identifies as a religious pluralist and teaches about religious deconstruction and decolonization and Christian history. He is a, he is passionate about the power of storytelling and empowering people to tell their own stories in navigating their spiritual journeys and religious trauma. His research to date centers the study of Black faith and life. He focuses on the Black church, Western evangelicalism and white supremacy, liberation theologies, and the spiritual and socio-historical dimensions of hip-hop music and culture. Donnell, welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. So we are so happy to have you. Um, it's also fun to have a little more TikTok fame in the in the pod room because <laughs> we talk about TikTok and a lot on this podcast. Almost it's, every episode. Also was kind of like a catalyst for this podcast because you know after kimona had her little temporary (laughs) fame i did i went viral you know because if you have beef with celebrities you will go viral oh wow celebrity was it (laughs) uh hayley baldwin hayley baldwin bieber yeah she went to my middle school fun fact oh wow Uh uh-huh religious religious middle school yes tie tie it all in (laughs) Yeah, private Christian middle school, and I made a TikTok about it, and then, you know, Aaron and I had been talking about starting a podcast, and I was like, Aaron, we have to ride this, we have to ride the wave of the brief TikTok fame. (laughs) (laughs) It worked, it's our most popular episode today. It is. We talked about it. Like by a large margin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) International listeners, too. (laughs) Love it. Kimona's bringing it in for us, um, as always. But yeah, so that's a fun little connection. You and Kimona have a lot in common, actually. So it's very, it's very fun. We've done a few, um, 
a few topics regarding like religion and our upbringing because mm-hmm. I'm I vary a little bit. I didn't I went to public school, so I didn't have any um like religious education in terms of schooling until Fordham, which is a Jesuit school. Um, and now I'm going to another religious school, but not Forward. a totally different affiliate. <laughs> um, so I didn't have any of that upbringing at all. And um, I mean, my great aunt was a nun. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. What? Yeah. You never yeah. told me this. Yeah, she was pretty cool. She like, like opened up an orphanage and it was like really big deal. Oh, wow. Whatever. That is cool. 50s, 60s. I don't know. I might be making her a lot older than she really was, but <laughs> you know, cool, powerful women. But um, yeah, and I actually, so I was, grew up in a Catholic, uh, Roman Catholic church and was actually like, the what's ccd like the um education that you give like to make your sacraments and everything um i taught that (laughs) so i was like very centered in religion in like middle school high school um because i was using it as a crutch because i didn't want to think about what was going on in my life i was going through a lot of lot of trauma and Mm. it was a nice little barrier um and now i identify as somewhere between agnostic and atheist um because i definitely believe in a higher power of some form i think mm-hmm. i tend i tend to stem more into the vibe of like the universe and like i'm really big into environmentalism and just the connection of earth and i teach yoga and i mean i have a crystal in my hand like <laughs> <laughs> so i go almost a little too woo-woo about it but <laughs> so that's the short of my religious journey awesome awesome <clears throat> yeah i i i don't i don't even know what to describe myself as these days um but if you are my mother you didn't hear that you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that is not good she listens to this podcast right it's fine. We'll deal with that. You know, when she gets, she's behind, she's behind on these episodes. She'll catch up. Eventually we'll have a conversation. It'll be great. No, but I, I find myself usually if someone asks, I I'll say I identify as like vaguely Christian um, because, you know, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. Uh, my parents, very religious. i like, I wasn't allowed to read Harry Potter or like any of that. Oh, wow. As you know. Yeah witchcraft that fun stuff they have changed now because both of my younger siblings were allowed to read harry potter so it was just me that got the aggressive you know like legalistic version of of their journey (laughs) in religion uh but i i feel like it has christianity has impacted so many of the things that i believe that i hold dear to 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 what i value in life that i can't just like let go of that label um, so I'd love to hear about how you identify with religion, what that journey has been like for you. Um, and then we can dive in a little bit more about what deconstruction is uh, for the listeners who might not know. Okay, cool. So like I grew up in a apostolic Pentecostal church, like since I was six years old up and through till I was like 20 ish. Um, then I transitioned to a different church, which was also connected to Pentecostalism, but identified as non-denominational. 
So heavy Pentecostal background, growing up in the church in a black church in a small, smaller black church of mm-hmm. maybe 50 people. Oh, wow. Um, I was involved with everything, like playing the drums, singing in the choir, um, preaching sometimes, acting, dance, like anything that you can really think of, like with regard to ministry, I was involved in it. Um, and so that's what made transitioning like in leaving like one of the hardest decisions like of my life to date. Um, but I'm glad I did. And I went to a different church and similar background, similar environment. And I think I got into some, I went to, uh, I transitioned from my home church in about 2016 ish, um, and spent four years at a different church. And that's when I started to go to seminary. And that's when the deconstruction stuff started to really unravel and, you know, take precedent in my spiritual journey. Cause it was the first time that I got to ask questions right. know, and not be condemned and not be criticized or not, you know, be, uh, for and people not think that I'm doubting or being a doubter because I have questions. Um, and that was a really freeing environment. I went open to what I was going to learn. I went expectant to change for my ideologies to change because I knew I was going to learn some uncomfortable stuff. Right. And that's one of the things that I kind of braced myself for. And thankfully I went to a seminary that was committed to interreligious engagement. And I think that's what contributed to what I identify now as, which is religious pluralist. Um, yeah. Because in that, I feel like I experienced like our chapel, our school invited people from all different religious backgrounds to lead our Wednesday gatherings. Typically at seminary, they have weekly chapels or whatever. Uh, but we had weekly gatherings because it was open and, you know, people were invited from different backgrounds. So I was a part of a holy ceremony. I was a part of an Islamic chapel. I was a part of the indigenous chapel, um, all led by people from those respective communities. And that's, that's when I learned that we're a lot there's a lot, we have a lot more in common as, as people, um, than we would like to think than we've been led to believe. And I kind of saw the common threads and the language and the framing, and even in the practice of, of worship or of veneration for these different groups. And I feel like that's what changed my perspective. So now I identify as religious pluralist. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah, I think that's really powerful because it takes a lot to stray from how you grew up, especially when you have it intertwining in so many aspects of like your familial life, your education, your peers. And it's just so much more than that. I was lucky in the sense that like my parents, my parents still identify with Catholicism, but they were not very strict. Um, like we went to church every Sunday and, you know, we went through some familial trauma that kind of aided in that, like collectively that we all strayed from the church a little bit. So that kind of aided in that, um, aspect, but also like, I wasn't going to, like, I went to a public school. I had other facets of my identity Mm -hmm. to rely on and not feel like I was losing such a big chunk of myself. So I think that that's a really like a notable to your journey because it's a far more than just saying, Oh, I'm not religious anymore. Um, 
it's a whole individual like holistic concept and mm -hmm. um yeah so i think that's really noble and i think it's very valuable that you're using your experience to gather all the information that you've learned but also like bring that to people so that in a more palatable accessible way by like being on the internet so people don't have to necessarily go through major milestones to start thinking differently yes and i like i had no idea that you know tiktok was going to be the way that was going to happen like yeah and when i like because when i left seminary like i I, get, I went into seminary thinking that i was going to be a pastor i was i was like i'm going to be a pastor i'm going to be you know very very progressive i'm going to shake things up i'm going to like you know rethink ideologies and you know all these different things and halfway through i kind of realized that this is not it felt very limiting you know if mm -hmm. i felt like i was like kind of constrained to this label and with this label came all this baggage this historical baggage this currently contextual baggage especially during the trump era where we're seeing um you know even people finally connecting the, the dots of you know evangelicalism and how that contributed to uh platforming of you know donald trump and the socio you know the socioeconomic kind of things that came from the pandemic and the, all these different things that kind of rolled out it, it happened at a really interesting time right a, diff, a really um kind of turbulent time for people emotionally spiritually mm -hmm. especially during the pandemic where we had to stop going to church and people had to sit at home and kind of really see how their churches were responding to different issues that were coming up so like i got on TikTok, i made one video about decolonizing and deconstructing christianity um it went viral and to this day it's still my most viewed video and it was about and i think the kicker was me saying that hell wasn't real and people like yep. they all like like i got fifteen thousand followers in like two days or three days that's crazy and i was like oh wow this is this is the work it's happening um and so I just kind of like took it up. I picked up the battle. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> that's one. I I know I know exactly which video you're referencing. I think that's probably one of the first videos of yours that I stumbled across as well. As probably in that wave of followers. <laughs> um, but I I think it it obviously you know really spoke to people. And I think the the journey that is deconstructing Christianity is one that speaks to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I like just scrolling through my For You page, I'm on a lot of like deconstructing or ex-evangelical um, kind of accounts. And there's like a whole movement happening here. Mm -hmm. uh, but before we like really get into that more, how would you like kind of explain or describe deconstruction for people who have not heard of it before? Uh, so I feel like there's no like set definition for deconstruction with regard to religion because it's you know it's different for different people it looks different for different people but generally speaking i think it's just the process of you know critically examining the beliefs that we kind of have held for a long time mm -hmm. like for me growing up like there was a lot of things i was seeing a lot of like contradiction in um what was taught versus what was being practiced mm -hmm. in terms of love especially because i think that was like the most now that's still the thing that I hold on to this idea of love and you know being the 
you know, the central force of life and being the thing that I feel like, you know, we should pursue as a, uh, as a species. And I was seeing a lot of conflicting uh, practices. I was being taught to love and love everyone. And, you know, by this, everyone is going to know that you're my disciple if you have love one for another. And simultaneously, I'm seeing that we, the Christian religion and the Christian faith is, has a reputation for, for um, ideologies of hate and hatred mm-hmm. against marginalized groups. Um, and I really think that that began to... Um, so I, I feel like I've been deconstructing since I was a kid, but I didn't have the language for it, didn't have the community, didn't have other people's experiences like I do now. Um, to kind of rely on and piggyback on. Go ahead. No, I just think that ties in a lot with what you were saying earlier, that this, like, asking questions. I mean, that's certainly largely part of my personality. I was always the kid with too many uncomfortable questions. I still am um, because I have no boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I think that that's growth and that's human and Mm -hmm. that's how you learn. And any any institution that is preventing knowledge and seeking the ultimate truth is not something I can subscribe to. So I think that that's a really good way to put it, that it's this searching for answers and like being okay, asking questions and also just knowing that there isn't always answers. Yes. That's so, I think that's, I think that's one of the things that always made me a little uncomfortable with the church and that I could never wrap my head around was, you know, sometimes like, I don't know what happens when we die. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the Bible, like if this story is true because it's just not accounted for and no one has those answers. So anyone who is like very adamant of like, no, this is what happens when you die. This is what happens when you behave this way. I can't understand that. And I I never did. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that Christianity did does for people or especially people who are fundamentalist or, you know, kind of evangelical is that it gives you the answer to all the questions or it it tells you an answer, you know? So like I, I, and I think that's what breeds kind of these traits of narcissism that you see in Christian leadership. Mm. It's because like everyone feels like they have the answer and they feel they pity everyone who doesn't have the answer. Like poor you for not having the answer to what happens after we die or to having the answer to connecting to God. Um, And I think it was, I thought it was going to be scary to operate outside of this framework and realize like, wait, so like, you know, if I don't believe that, or if I've learned that, you know, hell doesn't exist or, you know, that I don't know what happens after this, or, you know, if I don't know what is the way, what is the correct way or what are the, the correct path is, I thought I was going to be, um, it was going to be scary, but it was really freeing to just be like, you know, what? I don't know. I don't have to know. I don't have to have the answer. There are things that I do know. And I lean on that. I, like, I do know that love is very important. It's, you know, it, self-love and love of others is, mm-hmm. I think, a universal thing and all practices and faiths. And like, so I, I'm, I've been pursuing what I know and I know that to be something that I want to like, um, you know, pursue for the rest of my life. Right. I, I think 
it's really, I, I love how you keep referencing love. You know, I think we for, do that a lot. We do. It, it's, it, you know, love and community. I frequently go on these little rants where I tell people to not lose hope because as long as there is someone you love to fight for and a community you love to fight for, there is something worth fighting for, et cetera, et cetera. But that for me is probably one of the biggest things that I have taken from growing up within Christianity. You know, I I remember from a very young age being taught that the, the most important lesson that Jesus taught us is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I, you know, part of my personality is I just take things very literally. Mm-hmm. You tell me to love other people. I am going to love every other person I see. <laughs> like that means I, if we're talking about sexuality, like I love everyone. <laughs> if we're talking about, you know, people, wait, 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 wait. is that why we, is that why we're no. queer? <laughs> yes, actually. Yes. That's a whole other the thing. Church, the church made us gay. Got it. How many times, Aaron, I think I've said this to you, maybe, or I wrote it on a, in a paper, but like, I will argue to the end of the earth that queerness is close to godliness, but that's a, that, that's just my personal opinion. Um, but this, this concept for me of like radical love is what I really attached onto. And then to continue that journey in Christianity, in, you know, my private Christian school, in the church, and see that people are like, yeah, love everyone, but like with conditions to an extent. Like, that's not what I, like, are we reading the same Bible? Are we looking at the same Jesus? Because that's not what I am taking from these stories. That's not what I see. And that has been, like, I I think I saw it so early on, like as early as like middle school, and I, I, I feel like I can almost relate to what you were saying about deconstructing from an early age and not having the language for it, because I think I've been doing that. I've always been the person, you know, in my <laughs> lovely conservative Christian school who was pushing the envelope a little bit, mm-hmm. who would be like, but why, why, why are we okay with hating people? Why, why are we not letting this happen? Like, I distinctly remember in middle school, I was asking questions about why we couldn't let women have abortions and someone called me a baby killer in like the sixth grade oh, wow. so it's these these questions these like wanting to know more and like if someone would just be like you know what i honestly don't fully know but here's what we do know and and here's you know how i can interpret that i think it would have been a lot better mm-hmm. and no, i feel like people we don't have the tools to do that because i feel like the 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 trend of not questioning is a generational mm-hmm. trend. You know, like we've been taught, like you don't question God. You don't ask questions about God's word. Ask God when you see him. Like all these kind of like colloquialisms that we throw around that normalize the, um, kind of normalize ignorance, normalize the, yeah. it's kind of an anti-intellectual culture of, you know, curiosity is not welcome. Like you, you know, the Bible says this, and this is what the Bible clearly says. And I'm like, oh, the Bible don't clearly say anything. And I learned that, like, especially that got solidified in seminary. I was like, the Bible doesn't clearly say anything. There are conflicting. Um, the Bible is a giant metaphor after metaphor after metaphor. Amen. There's no, it couldn't be more vague. <laughs> There's nothing clear about it, you know, and. I think there are clear things, like there are clear things in the teachings of Jesus, for example, that I still lean on 
and one of them of course is the is the concept of radical love um and so like what's been exciting and cool about it is that um i don't i, I no longer feel like i have to i feel like it can be as simple as that for me like i feel like i've overcomplicated i was taught to like really complicate this issue of what love looks like or what it is or how it looks like out loud um and i think I wish that if we would have kind of, I wish we could have normalized the culture of this being the ultimate truth, this being the thing. If this is the thing that the person who we are naming this tradition after has emphasized, like why are we not pursuing that wholly and radically? And why are we not asking questions that kind of point towards that as our kind of North Star and how we're navigating this faith and tradition? that has always been one of like my biggest uh i want to call it like a question sure uh but just like like areas that i get stuck on because i i remember in um one of my master's courses and we were talking about like this theological ethicist who was like labeled like a christologist and i was like but if this is christianity are we not to be followers of christ what are we doing here? <laughs> and I think it's because people, we all, everyone has a, everyone is reading the Bible from a different cultural context and standpoint, mm-hmm. you know? So the way that black people, for example, would have relate to Jesus and connect to the person of Jesus and connect to the story of Jesus as a, you know, person of color who was, uh, who was executed by state sanctioned violence, um, by the by an empire because of his message that was kind of countercultural to empire. Um, I think there's a different context and understanding in relation to the person of Christ when it comes to uh, the black and white of deconstruction. Yeah, I think that's very powerful context, especially because I think that's always. Um, what I hold true of, and like, as I find, I still find a lot of interest in religion and especially like I, in we're forced to take theology classes in <laughs> Jesuit education. So I, I took some theology classes and to date, one of my favorite classes at Fordham was my sacred text class mm. about the Old Testament, because I think the Old Testament is a really good book. Mm-hmm. Like from a literary perspective, I yeah. think it's fascinating. And there is some cultural, like historical moments in it. Like Jesus as a human being was a real person. And I think that's fascinating Mm -hmm. Um, because there is truth swimming in the stories. And I think from like just an educational perspective, there's a lot to learn um, just from the text itself. But um, I've been holding on to a question that I actually want to pose to both of you because you both share a similar background in pursuing theology and this concept like throughout your actual like careers and education. And I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So as for both of you, since you've experienced this level of deconstruction growing up and kind of figuring out what fits for you how have you used that in 
your education? Like what made you really want to pursue that in terms of a degree and a career beyond just a personal growth? Should I go first? Or? Yeah, you should go first. <laughs> um, so I feel like for me, again, like I went into seminary, I, I feel like I had this moment before I went to seminary. I was deciding whether or not to like pursue teaching or to like go to seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is this kind of like, there is these moments. And I like, I had one of those moments, one of those, uh, my professor would call it uh, a transrational experience where you can't really explain what happened or you know, some people call it a call, some people call it whatever. Like I had one of those moments and I decided to go to seminary, you know, to, to become a pastor. And as I matriculated and as I learned and as I like began to deconstruct on a, on a more serious and consistent level in seminary, like I arrived to a point where I was halfway through and it was like, you know, I felt like, oh, now I can teach. This is, this is the teaching piece of it. Um, I thought I would was going to divorce this teaching career to like go pursue a pastoral career. Um, but I realized that I wanted to teach what I was learning and give yeah. people the tools to, you know, find, come to their, arrive to their own conclusions on their spiritual journeys. Cause I feel like we, information was withheld from us for so long and not, not always by with intention because some people just don't know things like it's, and especially in black spaces, like it's not a historical requirement. Um, Historically, you know, we, we don't tend to uh, go to school to pursue uh, religion or theology. Like churches, black churches have been handed down from generation to generation to different people um, in, in a lot of cases. So like halfway through, I realized I wanted to teach. And so I started to like find the answers to questions that I wanted to ask my whole life. So like I took a class about like queer theology. I took a class about marriage rights and wrongs. I wanted to learn about the history of marriage. Um, I took a class called Augustine Niebuhr and and Malcolm X. Like, so I took classes that would allow me to ask questions that I've always had um, and spoke to um, and allowed me to be free to pursue the answers on on my own as a researcher because I got the skills to do that. And it was exciting and riveting and and I realized that when I finished, I wanted to teach. I was like, I want to teach, but I want to do it at a level, in a way that's accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of like when I was filling out my LinkedIn and stuff like that, I kind of put like, Donnell is an advocate for holistic and um, accessible theological education, not knowing what the hell that meant, not knowing where, <laughs> what that looked like, because I knew that going to university would not have been accessible because people don't have access to those institutions. Right. I would have been teaching, you know, maybe 10 to 15 people who, you know, kind of don't, who already have the skills to do this research on their own, uh, as opposed to people who like kind of really need this information that don't have the access to go to school. So seminary, um, or so TikTok became the thing, like just randomly became the thing. And it feels, it's exciting. Like, like I'm excited about it. And I have so much to say and share. And so that I feel like that's what be made it real. And when people started to send me things like like so one person told me that I saved their life. They were gonna take their life and that broke my heart, you know? That's beautiful. <laughs> and it just 
it kind of that moments like that solidified yeah. the seriousness and the um, the gravity of people having access to information so that they can make decisions that help them to generate love for themselves and love for other people in a genuine way without rules or strings attached. The internet is very powerful. I, I mean, I've said it in different ways before, but I'm, I'm all for the internet because it's this exposure to people that you never knew existed. Uh-huh. And a lot of the time, especially like growing up, you have no control over your life. You have no ability to leave the situations that you're in. So for me, I grew up in a really white area with relatively wealthy people. And I knew that that's not what the world looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, And I could only do so much because the internet wasn't anything like it is now, um, even when we were in high school. But since then, I've realized beyond just like my capabilities of taking up spaces and being in diverse environments and living in a diverse city and, you know, being exposed to different people with different backgrounds all the time. I think that the internet and social media has been a really powerful resource for me to feel like I'm not alone and not in just terms of like, yes, there's aspects of like, Oh, there are other people who have similar traumas or similar experiences in their life, but also just that there's people out there that think like I do because mm-hmm. I did not encounter that at all in suburbia with white Republicans. Mm-hmm. I didn't work, I didn't operate like that, and I felt lost. And to now be encountering people in so many aspects of similar thinking and similar views on the world, and the fact that I'm like sitting having this conversation with two other people who devote their lives to love is very powerful because Mm. I've been made to feel in my life that that's wrong and that's not enough. And I don't think that's acceptable. I think that it's the thing that motivates life. And I think it's really incredible that although we've all had some level of negative experiences in the church that we've been able to not be resentful Uh of it and angry and, you know, take what resonates in leaving the rest. I think that that's a powerful way to go through life and avoid some of the bitterness. Um, Yeah. So I think that like being able to use TikTok is an extremely powerful tool. And I'm very excited that these kinds of things can exist for both people like you who are doing the work, but as well for just, you know, kids in their bedrooms who have TikTok and can find this content and say, oh, it's okay that I don't agree Uh with what they're saying in church because we didn't have that. We didn't have anyone to say, it's okay that you don't agree. Yeah. Or that you have questions. That would have been, that would have been life-changing to have. Exactly. Absolutely. If someone had told me in (laughs) growing up that, like, liking girls meant you were gay. (laughs) 
Wait, but see, <laughs> you just like live in this bubble, and you aren't told that there's other options. And I think TikTok and social media is so cool that people are able to start questioning things. Like a bit of a tangent, but I saw like um, a beginning of a video of like asking middle schoolers about like their sexual, like. Do, are they comfortable with their sexuality? Are they confident? I saw this video too. Yeah. Um, and most of them said no. And I was like, I didn't even know you were allowed to question your sexuality until college. Wow. And it's just so, it makes me have so much hope for future generations. I mean, I know I bring that back all the time, but I have so much hope for kids and hope is important. And they're going to make this world such a better place. Like, I'm already proud of our generation of what we've been able to accomplish. And most of us are not even 30. And it's pretty incredible. And I, yeah. I think the work that you've been able to do, Donnell, on, on TikTok is so important. Because like for someone like me, I don't think I really even started to find the words for this journey that I'm on until recently. And so coming across videos that are talking about deconstruction and realizing that I don't have to throw away everything that I hold dear to not like to, to be valid and not wanting to necessarily be a part of the institutionalized church is so important. And it's, it's just, it's wonderful to see like that community kind of come together online and, and wherever. And I think that's something that's so important to me. I mean, I know we started this episode with me talking about how I love to talk about community and love, but finding that there, that there are other places to find this community, that there are other places and other people who may not be connected to, to a church or a religion, but they're still wanting to be in community with others and to uplift and love each other like that is so beautiful indeed um like just speaking to your earlier point like that's one of the most like affirming things that people say is like you've been you've given me words to what i've been experiencing or questioning my whole life and it's just like that's like to even have to have someone else affirm like the thing that you have been struggling with, like it's it's a weight. Like these these ideologies and these beliefs, when they when we when we're, when we're not aligned with them, I feel like it causes like discomfort. It causes a physical tension in our bodies. It causes like it has all these like consequences. I think, um, and to to finally have that weight lifted is so freeing. Um, it's incredibly freeing, and I, and one of the questions that you know was that that I was going to answer and pre prepare to answer was about how surprise what are the most surprising um, things about deconstruction for me yeah. and I think the most surprising thing has been how differently I feel physically like I was living in fear for so yeah. long like I cared like I really believed wholeheartedly and was actually scared of you know eternal damnation and scared of having negative thoughts or scared of like even being a you know like regular human things you know 
being attracted to another person, being like all these things I questioned and like interrogated and like kind of held tight and there was tension. And I didn't realize until after I deconstructed how different physically my body felt after kind of the weight of these ideologies being lifted off. Um, so yeah, just wanted to share that. Yeah, thank you. Thank we get we, we get distracted our, from ourselves because <laughs> we get so excited over conversations. We can never stick to our own notes. But so that's good. that is such a good point, and I'm so glad you shared that because you know when you think about, at least for me, like the the fear growing up of even just that I would like wake up from like a nap or come home from school and everyone would be gone because the rapture took them and I've been left behind. <laughs> that was one of my biggest fears. I mm-hmm. always, if I like didn't, if nobody told me that they were going to leave the house and I got out of my room and people were gone, I was like, this is it. I have sinned too much. I, I didn't love God enough. I, I did something wrong. Like that fear, not having that. Whew. Wow. Like, Erin, you look shocked by Raptor. I just didn't have that experience. And I just feel so sad that, like, church church, and church people can make people feel that way. They're yeah. movies. And, and I know that. Ooh, I the just... Left Behind series? And like those I mean, books were in my library in and middle I mean, I, school. I've I've learned a lot like over the course of time of mm-hmm. like the exposure than other experiences people have had in churches. Um, but like it's kind of daunting to hear your best friend say that they felt that way. Mm. But it's interesting though because I did have a, like a blinding faith moment. I mean that's what it was. I was literally choosing to ignore reality. And using the um, the crutch of God and religion to be like, no, there, there's that all-knowing answer, right? Um, I was going through a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. And the only way I knew how to process it was to lean into that. And right. letting go of like just that simple realization of I'm doing this actively not because I believe it not because it's what I want it's because I'm scared mm-hmm. as soon as I did that I was like oh none of that aligns with my aligns with me and I left it very fast after that as soon as I made that put, put those two dots together Aaron, so you guys have revealed a lot for me in this <laughs> this is like a therapy session for me wow <laughs> like when I tell you like it was to the point where like little things like if I like tripped or fell I'll be like, well, yeah. I have been thinking okay, you guys before. are bringing that a lot in my brain right now. Yeah, Whoa. like I would literally like, if I like tripped or if I like hit my head on something, I'd be like, well, I shouldn't have been thinking that or I shouldn't have been blah, blah, blah. Like it, it was literally to the point where every little interaction, every thought, everything was being interrogated constantly. And I think that's what contributed to the physical tension that I was carrying in my body. Yeah. Wow. You guys have processed a lot for me. <laughs> Aaron, I just think it's funny because you mentioned your cross tattoo and I just, every time you remind me that you have a cross tattoo and I have a cross tattoo and we are the people that we are (laughs) and we got cross tattoos, mine literally references a Bible verse. I I just, wow. The way that, that religion, it, it is pretty. They're pretty tattoos and like, you know, they've got meaning, but it's like the way that even in, you know, moving away from 
the institutionalized church and Christianity in that form, it still not has like a hold, but is so influential mm-hmm. on our lives. Um, but okay, so I I, I don't want to ask another question, but I want to give you the floor to like if there's anything you want to leave our listeners with from this conversation or, or another tidbit you want to share with them, just any, any final thoughts, the floor is yours. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, one of the biggest things that I let go of is this idea that I was like, I'm an inherently bad person. I'm like evil. I'm born a sinner. I'm unworthy of love, all these ideas. And cause what I got from religion and stuff like that is that I'm unworthy completely. And the only thing that makes me worthy, the only thing that makes me valuable and valid is my connection to this thing that I don't fully understand. Um, and I guess the last thing, the thing that I want to leave with people is that it's okay to ask questions, you know, and it's okay to not have the answers, you know, I think people need to hear that it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. And in a real way, it's and it's a, and there's no question that it, there's no stupid questions in deconstruction. You can question everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can question everything. Nothing is off limits, and you're. It doesn't. It's not an indication of your uh, lack of belief or lack of faith. I think it could even bolster what you believe in, kind of your foundation and things like that and help you to live a life that is aligned, that doesn't feel out of place. You won't feel like a fish out of water. You will be, you know, a fish in the water, like, and you will be, you know, open and it'll be easy and it'll flow. And I feel like we can arrive to that place um, by being free, by freeing ourselves to ask questions. Um, Oh yeah. I'll leave people with that. Thank you. That's, wonderful you you've been a great guest thank you so much absolutely this has been very cathartic (laughs) um and just a lot to i think it's a testament to what how like meant to be this is for you and your journey and like how good you are as a teacher and exploring this with people because i was i was really expecting to take a back seat and let you guys talk about theology and Instead, I've really been processing a lot of my own experience. And I think a lot of people can do that. Like, I think there's a certain level of people who think, well, I didn't have the same experiences as you guys did in the church. Therefore, I don't have as much unlearning to do, as much trauma to unpack. Mm-hmm. And that's simply not true. Yeah. Um, so I thank you for that, for holding this space with us, because I think it's really, really cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for letting me share. (laughs) Oh, of course. It's been a fun conversation. Absolutely. And as always, everyone, we will be back every Tuesday with new episodes. And you can be sure to subscribe for weekly bonus content released right after this. And Kimona, tell them where to find us. If you want to keep up with the conversation or just what's going on with us, you can find us on Instagram at Rebels Advocate Pod, on Twitter at Rebels ADV Pod, and on the general interwebs at RebelsAdvocatePod.wordpress.com. And share Danelle's links too. <laughs> I didn't have those pulled up and ready. Well, that's embarrassing.
Janelle, do you want to share your links? <laughs> Tell the people where to find you. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter as Donnell Rice. D-O-N-N-E-L-L Rice with a pen. Not with a pen. Donnell Rice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Love to see it. <laughs> Great. See, at least you were on top of it. We weren't. Yep. So those are the places to find us. Make sure that you're, you know, doing a thing on learning and processing this journey with us. And we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.